Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Hi, I'm Jerry Boyer. Thank you for listening to Meeting of Minds podcast. My guest today is Treasurer Marlo Oaks. He is the treasurer of the great state of Utah, and he just had a terrific article in the Wall Street Journal on the editorial page, which I think is the most important editorial page in America, maybe the most important page uh, among newspapers. And then more recently, a really good follow-up piece on uh, foxnews.com. So Treasurer Oaks, thanks for joining us today. Thank you. And I believe it was Fox Business. Oh, you know, you're right about that. I I thank you for that correction. It's Fox Business News, and it is a business issue. And I guess that's your point. Your point is that business is business, and there are financial rules, um, and that this ESG stuff, and we can define that in a moment, is taking politics out out beyond politics and shoving it into financial markets. That seems to be your objection. That's exactly right, because we have different institutions in this country to address different issues. We have political institutions that are political in nature that that address political issues. The business world is not meant to deal with political issues. And and that's what we're seeing today, the politicization of everything. And I think it's very detrimental to our country. So the example here, we're talking about ESG. Now, people who watch this know what that is, unless they've wandered into Meeting of Minds for the first time. Uh, Why don't you kind of lay out for people what exactly, what those initials are and what that means? Yeah, so ESG stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance. And it's really, I call it a political scoring system. It, It was born out of kind of the socially responsible investing world, which really has religious roots, right? The idea that I'm going to avoid certain investments because of my own values. Um, ESG took it one step uh, beyond that and, and really became aggressive, I would say, in the last two years or so. And that is uh, ESG advocates engage with companies and engage with the market to change them to drive a political agenda under these different areas, environmental, social, and governance, and, you know, climate change, of course, under the environmental, um, social justice issues under the social part, um, and then just different governance issues. Governance is really kind of more of a traditional shareholder activist, um, those kinds of issues. But you do see um, like board compositions, for example, that are being politicized now under the governance section. But anyway, I, I, I think is... an example of that that I'm seeing a lot is under the diversity uh, label, yeah. which is yeah. I'm seeing a lot of proposals which are your board should numerically, if 35% of your customer base uh, or your employees are of a certain uh, gender or ethnic identity than 35% of your board should be, for example. Um, and that's not a meritocracy. That's essentially political. Absolutely. That's right. And and what is the purpose of a board, right? I mean, you're, you're overseeing a business and, and uh, lending support to that business to help them succeed. Uh, this isn't 
you know, a beauty contest. This is, this is business. We're trying to uh, make money for the owners of the business and to serve society. I mean, at the end of the day, businesses ultimately serve society. If you don't serve society with a wanted or a, a demanded product or service, then you go out of business. Um, you know, and so I think sometimes um, capitalism uh, has been demonized because, you know, the greedy shareholders. But at the end of the day, I, I view it as companies providing a good or service that has value to society. Uh, and, and that's ultimately what the, the board is overseeing is okay. the, the, that business. The board works for the shareholders, or at least there's exactly to, right. That's right. Um, so, look, I wouldn't be for any quotas but if you if you're going to like really you know kind of twist my arm and say the board composition should match something i'd say well the shareholders i guess right because <laughs> yeah. they represent the shareholders now no now we don't need to do that let's just have the, the you know just just go for the most qualified board members and then you let the race and gender be a byproduct rather than a goal that doesn't mean you can't spend extra time looking you can't say well because of network effects you know, maybe, you know, some some groups really are underrepresented for reasons that don't have to do with merit. OK, that's great. But these proposals are not saying that these proposals are no. saying you have to hit this number or you're racist and sexist, which, of course, is that's a political. It's an ideological statement has nothing to do with finance. And there's no evidence that that accrues to the benefit of shareholders. That's right. And, and, and the idea behind diversity, right, was to. Um, to have ideological diversity, and it's it's sort of this demographic diversity was the first shot I think to trying trying to address that um, because there is value to ideological diversity and getting different ideas you know to to um, improve outcomes, but that's clearly not what's going on here. This is very much a um, a uh, it's not addressing ideology. In fact, in, in some cases, it's pushing to one ideology um, with with the agenda that they're that ESG represents. I've reviewed several hundred diversity proposals in the last year. Not one of them mentions viewpoint diversity. Not one. Of That's them. right. But and they argue different some... ways of thinking are valuable, but they <laughs> yes. don't include different ways of thinking in their criterion, which is very strange. That, that's right. And in fact, um, efforts to add that as a shareholder proposal ha has been rejected in a lot of cases by by uh, either um, the company or or uh, the SEC or, um, you know, I think those are the two primary uh, or the proxy issues. services. Yeah, it, or the proxy service. That's right. You know, I had a conversation with ISS about this and I said, why do you support every kind of diversity except that? And they said, well, how would you measure it? And I said, I don't know. Ask them. Yeah. How about that? Just yeah. part, it's part of the interview process. Tell well, us something and, about yourself, including your political philosophy. Or maybe right. they disclose their political contribution. It doesn't really. You're smart people. I mean, you're, exactly. you, you want them to do studies about the impact of climate change in 2050. That's not too complicated. But just yeah. asking board, right. your board members, you know, <laughs> what are your political views? That's just, oh, we can't handle that. That's too complicated. No, well, and, and – and what's interesting is that the the last the, the change in administration you typically saw in the past people coming out of an administration and going into corporate America and going onto boards that didn't happen nearly at the level that it did in the past and you remember how demonized people were for even 
serving in the last uh, Republican administration. Yes. Right. And, and, and so that's very troubling when you're demonizing an entire uh, point of view in the marketplace and shaming people and shaming companies to prevent them from adding that kind of viewpoint diversity in the boardrooms. It's a very interesting trend. I'd love to Um, see an analysis of ex-Obama officials on boards compared to ex-Trump officials on boards. What's it going to be, 100 to 1? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, So they're not not really trying. um, No. So so if we just get rid of that and focus on merit, then I think we kind of uh, solve the problem. Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors and over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. Time marches on and leaves behind those who are not equipped for tomorrow. We cannot predict what will happen in the future, but we at Regent University aim to prepare you for it. With world-class professors in over 150 programs, the opportunities to find success in your field are many. So don't let tomorrow pass you by. The journey to your brightest future begins here. Visit regent.edu slash learn more. All right, yes. so you mentioned we can go deep here. This is meeting of minds, right? The word minds is in the is in the title. You you've you've you mentioned plurality. When I was in college, and that that's some time ago. Um, uh, so when I was in college, my liberal college professors taught me a political philosophy called pluralism. Different institutions, different points of views, and in the electoral process and in all these other process processes, we work out our difference. Now, it seems to me that at least the kind of liberalism, progressivism, whatever we're dealing with now is anti-pluralistic rather than pro-pluralistic. That's right. No, that's exactly right. Because really, ESG can only be successful without plurality. You have to have one point of view. You have to get as much capital to agree to one agenda to drive that agenda. Otherwise, you would have uh, one bank stepping in where another bank refused to do business. So, for example, if one of the largest banks refused to lend money to a fossil fuel company in a free market capitalist system with plurality of views, another bank would step in and provide that service or the capital um, to be successful. And this is why I think uh, socially responsible investing uh, gave way to ESG Socially responsible investing uh, allowed people to have their own values and implement their own values in a portfolio and respected the values and and the views of other people. ESG cannot do that because it would not be successful if it did. So if, if, if I can capture the largest pools of capital and commit them to net zero climate change, then I have power to drive that agenda through the capital markets. That's the only way it can be successful. And it has to destroy plurality to get there. Coercion isn't the bug. Coercion is the feature. 
That's right. right. right? Yeah. And, and this, that's right. You're, you're, you're kind of making it, you're making a lot of interesting points. And, and one of them is that when you're talking about gigantic asset managers like a BlackRock, we're not talking about organic growth. Where I, I can tell you, I've talked to hundreds of financial advisors, and I always ask them, how many of your clients are asking for ESG products? And the answer is almost always zero. Yeah. Maybe like they've got a client and the client's children ask a question about it. That's mm-hmm. it. This thing is not coming up from the bottom. Um, it's coming no. down from the top. And a BlackRock, right. which essentially grew through acquisition, it's not organic, just like buy competitors and gobble them up till you have $10 trillion in assets and then have that easy credit from the Fed, right? Because they're administering. So in essence, they're pretty dependent on government. It's almost like it's, it's not clear that they're really not almost like quasi-governmental entities, given their relationship with central banks and given the licensing and given like the the, the revolving door between people yes. who work for administration, then BlackRock, and the same with well, Goldman Sachs, whatever. They just kind of go back and forth. So you almost have like this one ruling class. Sometimes mm-hmm. it works in the private sector. Sometimes it's in the public sector. Uh, the resume kind of bounces around, but it's basically the same group of people, and they're imposing, trying to impose their agenda on us. That, that's right. And, and they're doing it with our money. Yes. Um, and and so that's, that's one of the challenges here is that you have – some of our largest institutional investors. So I worked at a, a large institution and oversaw the investment portfolio there. Um, and, and the underlying um, policyholders, because I was at an insurance company, right? They're, they're all going to have different views, political views. Um, but that money is all aggregated at the insurance company. And then we went out and hired investment managers to manage that capital. In the case of a pension plan, the same thing, a large state pension plan is going to have the money of beneficiaries that have all different kinds of political views. And then they go out and hire an investment manager. And, and really the, the compact that we had in this country for so long was that we would keep politics out of that, that investment management relationship. Once that broke down, then we're seeing the adoption of one political agenda that is not shared by the underlying investors or the asset owners, the beneficiaries. And so it really is doing a a massive disservice and frankly, breaking the law um, our fiduciary, fiduciary standard. responsibility. Absolutely. That's right. right. That's exactly did right. You, did you see this coming back when you were working in capital markets? Did you see like the beginning of the camel's nose coming into the, into the tent? That, you know, it's interesting. I, I actually uh, worked on a socially responsible, launching a socially responsible fund. Um, but I came at it from the perspective of kind of more of a conservative angle. Like um, the idea was if a business um, if their product or service undermined the family, mm-hmm. then that was ultimately bad for society mm-hmm. and, and would lead to um, long-term degradation of society and, and therefore hurt profits and, and hurt companies, et cetera. Um, so I, I uh, had a lot of um, experience with the socially responsible uh, investing area, and I did not see... Um, I'd heard of ESG, but I did not see how aggressive it had become. It was only when I became treasurer and really started looking more closely at it did I recognize what had what had been uh, a perfectly acceptable strategy in the form of uh, socially responsible investing uh, turn into a course of capitalism, essentially, um, and and those features that 
that are so detrimental or, or uh, uh, could, could do significant harm to our uh, country uh, became a little bit more obvious when, when you could see politics being moved out of the political realm and into our capital markets, essentially undermining the constitutional form of government that we have mm. and destroying free market capitalism. Well, you know, it, it's interesting. You wrote that piece for the uh, journal and then I read, you know, a letter to the editor in response, which said basically, well, this isn't the liberal agenda. Um, this is bipartisan, written by two people who are part of a liberal you know, think tank, a liberal advocacy group. So, you know, my view is if liberals say this is nonpartisan and conservatives say this is partisan, it's partisan. So, you know, oh, no, there's nothing. We're not doing any. Oh, if, if half the country, the liberal half the country, we're not doing any politics here and the rest That's of the right. street, yes, you are, then we are. And, you know, another point about this is what I've seen from ESG is the argument is always, well, look, everyone agrees with this. This is the inevitable future. The march of history is that your oil and gas and thermal coal certainly will be stranded assets. And if you have anything in your portfolio that makes guns, the, the culture is shifting in such a way that you will be you know, completely alienated from polite society. And therefore, since that's going to happen inevitably, this, you know, fall in line now. Right. So there's yeah. a kind of almost an eschatological view here. And so ESG is safe, except look at the, this year was the year of a huge conservative backlash. So ESG isn't safe. And if it isn't safe, I'm sorry, what is the leftover premise for shareholders? It's just another area of exaggerating reputational risk by getting embroiled in a controversy. And that's kind of the only one selling point they had. That was it. Yeah, well, and, and, and it's clearly the misallocation of capital, mm. and, and, and it's driving to one future view, saying, okay, this is, this is where the world is going to end up. Never mind that we've never been able to figure out where the world is going, um, you know. So um, that, again, gets to this destruction of, of plurality um, and, and this – you know, drive to have everyone adopt the same viewpoint um, is 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 crazy because at the end of the day, one of the most powerful institutions that we have in this country, and what has created more wealth in this country than any other than any other system, is our free market capitalist system. Mm. And in fact, one of the professors that I had in graduate school, he wrote a very famous paper on orange juice futures markets. Who is better? at predicting the weather, was it the markets or the meteorologist? And you think about the meteorologist, that's your expert, right? And they can tell the future because they've been to school and they've studied the science and all these things, right? But it just so happens that when people put money on the line and there's a lot of different views, yes. you come to a better outcome than you do with the depending on the expert. And so this notion that we're going to do away with our markets to uh, to comply with some expert's view of the future is not in anyone's best interest and, in fact, will lead to suboptimal outcomes. If yes. you're really concerned about climate change or any of these other issues, then you should be completely against ESG because it undermines the markets where we're going to have the best outcomes and create the most wealth for all of us. It, that, that is great. Uh, it substitutes a less efficient um, forecasting system for a more efficient forecasting system. 
That's right. Um, That's right. I mean, you know, you want to know what's socially beneficial. You want to know. You want to know which states are riskiest. The smartest answer is which states have the lowest bond yield, right? Because the risk, the risk premium, they know skin in the game. I'm That's an investor. Right. I'm an investment. Skin in the game is is better than expertise by a long shot. That's right. And in fact, um, you can take the or, or you can figure out the market implied probability of default as an indication of what the market is saying about a particular credit. Right. And so um, that is a that has more information embedded in it than does a credit rating by some outside entity. Much right? more. I mean, the credit rating yes. is almost a lagging indicator. Right. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's like everything's right. great. Everything's right. Then after it blows up. Oh, everything wasn't great. Um, <laughs> so, right. <laughs> and I think the market implied even beats the Altman Z's and the Olson O's, all these complicated things. And I use them. I'm in markets. Right. Um, yeah. uh, but uh, people with skin in the game, Hayek says most of the knowledge is out there. That's right. You know, so there's there's seven billion people, eight billion people who are investing. Maybe a, a billion of them are really you know, have a significant number of assets. That's a lot of knowledge, and that knows I'm an economist, but I trust the market's forecast over my own modeling forecast because the, that's right. Because I don't have I only have the amount of knowledge I have, but the markets have the knowledge of maybe a billion participants. That's right. And yeah. what is the market and saying about Utah's bond ratings or about about Utah's bond yield? Low risk. Yeah, exactly. That's right. And in fact, we have. Uh, we typically trade like the treasuries um, in the taxable, you know, market. Utah is is that same curve, if you will, the lowest rates generally in the municipal market. So I've told people for uh, months that you know we have the best credit rating in the world, but it may not matter if we have a separate ESG score. Uh, because then you have an outside entity in the form of a credit rating agency intermediating itself into the politics of a state saying whether we are worthy to borrow at the lowest rates in the capital market based on politics that they have no business opining on. I wonder if this might start to become more important now. So bear with me. You, you, you have a, you're a CFA, right? So, yep. you know, uh, this is... Uh, um, you're, you're, this is well within your ability to have this conversation. Um, I can't have this conversation with everybody. But you, uh, municipal bonds are a hedge against taxes, right? Tips are a hedge against inflation. You're a hedge against rising individual taxes. Um, mm-hmm. So to the degree that we're moving in a pro-tax hike direction with the current administration and with the Trump tax cuts, they're sunsetted, et cetera, then municipal bonds become more important as investors move towards them to deal with the hedge against taxes, which means it's all the more important for, say, asset managers not to say, well, Illinois is better based on political criteria than, right. than Utah is, and shoving retirees into high-risk munis. They're, go- they're going to get away from taxes but they're getting all this default risk because the capital is being politically allocated. You see what I'm driving at there? Yeah, yeah. No, that's yeah, exactly. It, it, it it's really adding a second layer of um, criteria that isn't rele- relevant to getting paid back as an investor, right? It's this, it's it's uh, serving two masters, right? Um, and we know what happens when you do that. Um, having the fiduciary hat on is the most important thing when you are managing other people's money. Do it with your own money. That's fine. Right. But when you're managing other people's money, you owe it to them 
to focus strictly on their financial well-being. Hmm. You're quoting the master there. I've been reading James lately, and he talks about double, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And it seems to me that these, <laughs> these agencies, if they're giving themselves a dual mandate, have to be daifsuke. They have to be double-minded in some sense. What are we? Are we political advocacy groups or are we genuine credit rating agencies? Um, That's right. That's exactly right. And and it's interesting. They made the they make the argument that these are this has always been part of the credit rating. And and I said, okay, if it's always been part of the credit rating, then keep it part of the credit rating. Don't make a separate ESG score because they then uh, call out things like adverse publicity associated with reputational risk or that leads to reputational risk. Um, that has nothing to do with a credit rating, the, the reputational risk of, of, of an entity. It's crazy. Right, right. And especially considering the donor, the uh, investor base. Right. right. The investor base of in general is more conservative than the population in general. And municipal bond investors are, first, as bond investors, they're, they're going to skew a little older. As municipal bond investors, they're going to skew more affluent so frankly, they don't really care about the woke agenda. This is a highly right. conservative demographic, which means I'm not really worried about you uh, because I think that smart investors are going to find their way to your bonds. I'm worried I about so. I'm, I'm worried about like all the people who get shoved over like pension plans or whatever, retirees yeah. who are part of aggregators who get a, end up, they end up getting put in high risk bonds because of these standards. Well, and, 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 you know, one of the biggest buyers of municipal bonds are insurance companies. Mm. And so they, uh, they are susceptible to politicization. In fact, we have, we had one uh, insurance company that refused um, to bid on business of a, a power generator here in the state of Utah. And why was it? It's because the power is coal-based power. So you have an insurance company refusing to bid on business because it's the wrong kind of business. Mm -hmm. Profitable customers that they're firing. Yeah, and a critical industry. I mean, think about it. If if we're going to cut off power to people, right? I mean, what does that mean? We're we're talking about moving to an 1800s lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. And by the way, I mean, insurance companies, people depend on insurance companies. I mean, think about fiduciary responsibility. Going back to the Bible, it's required of a steward that they be found faithful. Um, yes. And for insurance companies, that's it. job number one is to stay solvent so you can pay the claims if they should arise. That's right. That, that's exactly right. And for and a so pension it's, man or it's the retirees. Th- that's right. And, and, and so what this agenda has done is attacked our financial services industry at the highest levels. So the largest companies, they've gone after the largest companies because they know if they can get them on board and get all of those assets behind the same agenda, then they can drive that agenda through society without bothering with a, a legal or a, a political body like a legislature where the, the process can get messy. Yeah, they can't win in state legislatures on guns or on fossil fuels. I, and I had a conversation, right. I was off the record, I won't mention, but a large insurance company. And we talked about the fact that in their investment pool, there's no gun manufacturers. And they admitted that might hurt returns. Which really means it might hurt off the you know off the record yeah. you know private meeting, but th- that if it hurts returns it hurts the ability to pay people to pay people out you know when they right. trusted you. Fascinating. Yeah, that's right. It's very distortive. Uh, anything else you want to say? I, I know we've ranged 
far and wide, and I've en I've enjoyed it. Anything else you want to say about this that we haven't covered yeah. so far? Yeah, I mean, I, for me, the biggest issue is the politicization of our capital markets. And, you know, I don't I don't really get into the underlying politics of of climate change or, or social justice necessarily. I mean, they are concerning to me. Um, but but I leave that up to the legislators because they're the political body. I don't want politics in the capital markets, which is where I operate as the treasurer. I am trying to depoliticize the capital markets and get the politics uh, out of, of that arena and put it where it belongs. And we've got to have boundaries in our, our country. We've traditionally had boundaries around our institutions. We have to keep those boundaries, respect those boundaries. And, and we've got to be very careful about the substitution of our pluralistic institutions for centralized control, which is essentially what ESG does. Hmm. Fascinating. I mean, politics... I'm not sure that politics even works in the area of politics, but it sure doesn't work when it gets into uh, into other areas. And yours is not a political office. Yours is a, no, that's yours right. is a fiduciary, a fiduciary office. That, that's exactly right. And, you know, I liken it to um, what happened in. Oh, excuse me. Um, I liken it to what happened in Jurassic Park when the uh, the scientists turned off the power. And, and suddenly the Tyrannosaurus Rex got out of his, his uh, electric fence and started eating the uh, human beings, right? I mean, it's, it, it, when politics escapes its natural boundaries, it's like a monster that can consume all of us. And just because you think the politics are in your favor doesn't mean that you aren't going to get eaten. It just means you might get eaten last. And we should all be. We're putting boundaries around our political system. The guy who turned off the power was the first one who got eaten, wasn't he? <laughs> Newman from Seinfeld, right? He was the first, first one. So they, when they take down those barriers, you know, G.K. Chesterton said, don't take down a barrier unless you know why it's there. They take down those barriers. You never know which way things are going to go in the future. That's exactly right. And we've got to put the dinosaurs back into the cage. Mm, interesting. And that's what politics is. It's pure power. Um, yes. And it fine in its own. That's a that's a fascinating observation. Well, Treasurer Marlo Oaks, I want to thank you for being with us um, on Meeting of the Minds. I really enjoyed this conversation. I want to thank you for what you're doing, not just on behalf of the citizens of your state, but you're leading a, a coalition. You're out there ahead, um, you know, dealing with other treasurers and leading the way. Um, and that's important. And I, in my opinion, it's just beginning. I think this is the what did Churchill say? It's not the end of the it's it's the it's not the beginning of the end, but it is the end of the beginning. For yeah. years, conservatives slept while activists kind of took over, and now we're awake. And yes. I don't. I we're not going back to, to sleep anytime soon. No, and I, I really appreciate you having me on, Jerry. It's been a pleasure, and and that, these are very important topics. People in America need to understand what's happening with their capital. And they need to reach out to their companies and or their investment advisors and explain to them that they do not want their money politicized. Uh, and, and they need to uh, get out of BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, move to other investment strategies where hopefully their money will be managed in a fiduciary framework. That's a great point. By the way, I should mention State Financial Officers Foundation, which, you know, you're part of. This is sort of the clearinghouse for people like you and um, for people who are listening, check out the website. And if your treasurer or uh, controller, et cetera, is a good one and they're not, you know, involved, 
maybe ping them with an email saying you need yeah. to get involved with this stuff. No, that's right. And and uh, people can also go to my website, marlooaks.com. There's a section called Stop ESG. I have several articles there, some interviews. Um, you have a, the opportunity also to donate to my campaign. I'm on the ballot this year. Uh, so appreciate the sport and, and uh, really appreciate the opportunity to come on and talk. I like your chances in November. MarloOaks.com, <laughs> um, Stop ESG. Thank you so much, Treasurer, for being with us. Thank you. Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525.